said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Whoever will open to me, I will come in and make my home with them. And really that is the very first step, isn't it? Our Lord and Savior, he says, he desires for every single person to be saved. For everyone to come to the knowledge of him. He stands at the door, he patiently knocks on the heart of every single person. And the question then becomes, will we open the door? Will we allow our Lord and Savior to come inside? Will we have his presence dwell with us? And so we open the door. And the Lord, true to his promise, he does come inside. But then, what happens? Dear friends, years ago, as I was serving over in North Dakota, there was a, a, a woman separated from her husband with a few children, and she had moved into a house in our community. She felt that there were some kind of strange spiritual things happening, and she asked that I would come and do an exorcism of her home. That's not something that, that I often do. But she asked me especially that I would come that I would perform an exorcism. And so with my book in hand, I walked through every room of her house, offering prayers to the Lord that her house would be cleansed, that it would be free from any kind of evil influence. As I walked around her, her home, I, I began to notice that she had decorated some places with plastic skulls. And I kind of began to wonder, you know, if she's really concerned about spiritual things, if she really feels there's an evil presence within her home, why does she have plastic skulls here and there? And then we got to one of the rooms in, in her house, and she actually had a poster of a demon in that room of her house. And I, I, I couldn't help but, but speak to her. I couldn't help but, but you know, say, you know, here you have called me to come and perform an exorcism. You feel like there's a demonic force in your house. And you have a poster of a demon on the wall of this room. And uh, of course, you know what she said. This is art. This is the poster. But dear friends, in our spiritual life, I think it really is very similar. You see, that this, this dear woman had you know, some desire, at least, that Christ would be present in her home. She took the trouble to invite the pastor to come and to have some prayers. But, you know, really it seems as if she just kind of wanted me maybe to come into the foyer. And maybe I just would have some prayers there in the entryway, you know. And those prayers in the entryway can maybe take care of all the rest of my house. 
And don't we do the same thing with Jesus sometimes? Oh, yeah, my life has some crisis, my life has some problem, and there's Jesus, and he's patiently knocking on the door. I will open the door, and I will let Jesus come into the entryway. And now I'm very happy to have Jesus in the entryway of my home. Yes, that's great. Jesus is here in the entryway. He's with me. He's in my house. But I don't really know if I want him coming in the living room. And I'm not so sure I want him checking out my den. I don't know about that. And, well, what if he finds the poster of my favorite demon in this other room? Oh, I don't know if I Jesus to see that exactly. I don't really know if I want him taking over my whole life. I don't really know if I want that. Another little story, a good friend of mine that I met while I was in the United States Navy and we'd served together, we were at a particular duty station. He'd said he was having some problems in his, his personal life and would I pray with him? Again, it seems like a very simple request. Would you pray with me? And, and, and so we did. We prayed together. And a lot of things were just kind of, you know, general, but, you know, here I am, you know, praying with this other fella that he can you know, overcome some of the difficulties in his life, that he can come to know that Jesus, his Savior, in a, a, a very personal way, that his, you know, things can be handled. And then, of course, as happens in the, the military, you kind of go your separate ways, you get transferred to different duty stations down the line, and there, there I was, up in Adak, Alaska, right in the middle of nowhere, really. Little base up there, one of the islands in the Aleutian chain off the coast of Alaska. I, I get a phone call from him. He's very upset with me. And, and this is what he said. Since we prayed together, I can no longer control the weather pattern. I was like, what, what in the world are you talking about? And he went on to say, well, I used to practice sorcery. And as a, a sorcerer, I truly believe that I have some control over the weather patterns. That if I wanted it to rain, I could make it rain. If I wanted it to be sunny, I could be... Sonny, but you have ruined that ability for me. I've ruined your ability. But again, dear friends, it sounds like a very bizarre kind of a thing, but you know, if we think about it in detail, when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ moves into our lives, you know, evil is going to depart. Things really should become different for us. The scripture tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Right? What does that mean? 
It means that, yes, I let Jesus right come into the entryway of my home. As I begin to develop my relationship with him, as he begins to be open to more areas of my home, so to speak, in my mind, in my heart, as he begins to have more influence in those areas, things ought to be changing, right? Things ought to become different. We ought to be renewed. And then the spirit, it begins in a, a sense almost to, to grow like a fragile plant, doesn't it? As we nurture that plant, as we water it, as we care for it, the plant begins to produce fruit eventually. And one of the fruits of the Spirit, the Bible tells us, is improved self-control. I begin to have abilities in some of these areas of my life where I can overcome. Have you ever wondered about that verse that says, only the overcomers will reign on high? That's what the verse means, right? I began to develop the ability to overcome some of the sin in my life, and because I show forth that fruit, it means I'm going to reign on high someday. You see, the reason we gather together here on Easter morning is because we still believe God is real. And we still believe that God can accomplish something. And we still believe that because of the death of Jesus, our lives can improve. But no, what do we often see? We often see the people like I've kind of talked about in my sermon today. We see a, a young woman with a couple of kids concerned about the spiritual welfare of her home, but plastic skeletons, plastic skulls here and there, pictures of demons in certain rooms of her home. She wants something to be real. She wants something to be different, but... Only so far. I want just enough of Jesus to handle my little difficulties. I don't really know if I want him to interfere with my power to control the weather patterns. Uh, just enough of Jesus to be able to be comfortable. I don't really know that I want to follow him completely. Let me know. Have you ever talked with friends and neighbors and they're kind of in a sin pattern and you can see it in their life and you want to try to help them to break free and they just say, I can't help myself. That's just the way I am. Right, and you know, we, we, we see it, we hear it in, in different venues, you know, the, the 
the daughter of your good friend shoplifting at the Walmart, and she says, oh, I just can't help myself. He says, well, there's a commandment that says, thou shalt not steal. You know that one? And they say, well, I, I just can't help it. I, I, I just have to steal things. It doesn't go over real big at the police department, does it? What does that person need? They need for Christ to come all the way into their life, right? They need for our Lord and Savior to be able to dwell in the living room and in the dining room and in the kitchen. They need for Jesus to be able to be open to go down in the basement. You know? They need for Him to be present in all areas of their life. And when Christ is present in all areas of our life, then the fruit of the Spirit begins to produce the self-control to keep the person from shoplifting at the Walmart, right? And it's the same for any sin on down the line. One of the ones I find as a pastor, the commandment that most often I think is broken is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We see that so often in work centers, in workplaces, right? People gathering around the drinking fountain, and what are they going to do? They're going to take some little thing, incident that happened, they're going to blow it up out of all proportion, they're going to add to it, they're going to put something unique in there. The story's going to grow. And I can't help myself because I have to be able to get along with my coworkers because that's what everyone else is doing and I want to fit in. This is how the world works and I'm just a part of it. I can't help it. And again, what do we need? That when Jesus stands at the door and he knocks, we would open the door, yes? Yes, we would invite him into the entryway, yes, there he would be present, we would. Maybe have him sit down at the kitchen table, maybe we would escort him around within our home just as a pastor. I was asked to do an exorcism and I entered every home within that person's house so we would ask Jesus. And when Jesus begins to then point out things in our personal life, when he points out things within our home that are not pleasing to him, that we would probably throw away my plastic skull. You know? That would maybe get rid of the poster of a demon in a particular room. That would begin to clean the inside of my life. That if there's something displeasing to the Lord, I would be ready to abandon it. And I would do it out of love. For Jesus, you see. And so that's my final point in my sermon for today, is then what is the motivation 
For you know, two people can do exactly the same thing, but one person can come to you and they can say, wow, you seem to have a successful life. What kinds of things are you doing? I will do the same kinds of things and then I will get the same result. And so what do you do? Well, I go to church on Sunday. Well, okay, I'll start going to church on Sunday. What else do you do? Well, I read my Bible sometimes. Okay, I'll read my Bible sometimes. What else do I do? Well, I volunteer for a church organization. Well, I'll try to do that as well. And at the end of the day, all we have then is legalism, don't we? What is my motivation? I'm doing all of these things because it's what I'm supposed to do. Because, you know, Frank told me to. Frank said, that's what I'm supposed to do, and so I do it. But no, what does our Lord and Savior desire? He desires that relationship. That I would love Christ so very much that I would come to His house on Sunday and pray and praise and give thanks. That I would love Jesus Christ so very much that I would begin to restrain myself from shoplifting at the Walmart. That I would love Jesus Christ, my Savior, so very much that I would refrain from adultery and sexual sin. That I would love Jesus, my Savior, so very much I would never consider murdering my neighbor. Right? That I would love my Savior so much that even though he says, Thou shalt not covet. If I find myself beginning to covet, this just a sin within my mind that I would cease and desist. Is based on the love, isn't it? Behold, he stands at the door and he knocks. And I love him so much. I open it. And I'm baptized. And I began to live my life in a way that bears the fruit of righteousness. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds, now and always. Amen.